0: At life, we looked at faith, faithfulness this morning, and tonight I want to look at joy, and to see for God to make us more and more like Jesus, for us to grow in our faith means that we more and more have joy as part of our lives. It sort of marks our lives, and. Um, uh, the way that we tend to think about joy is um, kind of like joy from inside out. if you guys have seen Inside Out. If you haven't, um, it's a movie about a little girl and her feelings. It's funny. Pixar movies are all about like things have feelings, right? So it's like cars have feelings, toys have feelings, uh, bugs have feelings, what else? Robots have feelings, monsters have feelings, Scotland has feelings, and, and, and it ends up feelings have feelings, right, yeah, it's like the, the penultimate Pixar movie is feelings have feelings. And uh, the Joy character, um, who is, uh, who, what's her name from Parks and Rec? Amy Poehler uh, uh, voices her. In the the trailer, they say, you know, joy is there to make everything fun. And they say, when everything is going your way, that's when joy takes over, right? And that's what we kind of tend to think joy is. Like, when everything is going well for me and I'm happy and I'm sort of up, then I have joy. And uh, I think the Bible has a more of a beautiful and fuller and more robust picture of what joy could look like in our lives. So we're going to look at Psalm 84. The psalms are actually songs that God's people, Israel, used to sing to God. And uh, so it's kind of weird to just read it, but I'm not going to sing it or chant it, thankfully. Psalm 84. To the choir master, according to the Giddith, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow finds a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my God and my King. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and and in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold, our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. It's the word of the Lord. Uh, Let's pray and ask God to be with us now. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for a day of fun and rest. And uh, of being surrounded by beauty. And Lord, it reminds us that every moment of our life, no matter where we are, what's going on, we are surrounded by your beauty. um, That you have clothed us with beauty. And Lord, that you work in our hearts to more and more give us uh, a taste and a sense of your beauty. And uh, Father, as we come tonight, regardless of where we come from, we long to have joy in our lives. And Lord, would you teach us what it feels like for us to know that a day with you is better than a thousand elsewhere. Lord, do that for us, we pray, as we consider your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So like the uh, the, the Inside Out trailer, um, we think that when everything is going our way, that's when joy takes over. So we, we tend to think, on the one hand, I'm happy. Therefore, I have joy, right? I'm feeling happy, so I have joy. And that's some of what we hear in the passage. You, this person's writing a song about going to Jerusalem, going to the temple, which is where you actually had to go if you wanted to, like, be with God. And uh, they said that as they're, as they're going there, they would sing the song. And uh, this says, my soul longs, yes, faints for the course of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. That sounds like a joyful person, right? Joyful people are singing while they do things, right? They're whistling while they, while they work. Um, and we like happy emotions um, because good feelings, you know, feel good because words mean things. And so what we do is we try to manufacture happy feelings in our lives. And some of us are really successful at being able to sort of get up and to like sort of cultivate good vibes in our lives. Some of us think that that's what worship is, that when I'm feeling good vibes and I'm worshiping and when I'm feeling more conflicted or sad or hurting, then I'm not worshiping. Um, But the problem is that, number one, some of us are just naturally more inclined to be like happy-go-lucky type people and some of us are more mercurial or more somber or down and so we feel like then okay if i'm more of the somber type personality and then jesus tells me to have joy like that seems impossible for me i mean what do you do when the happy emotion isn't there can you still have joy and actually this psalm is sandwiched between psalms 83 and 85 um You know, because numbers mean things. And uh, they're they're really heavy. Some people, they read the Psalms, they just want to, like, get a boost. And then you're reading Psalm 83, and it's like, oh, God, why are you so silent? You never talk to me. Like, please don't be silent. And then Psalm 85 is like, are you going to be angry with me forever? Like, it feels like you're just always angry with me. So on the one hand, we think, I'm happy, so I have joy. But then in low moments, we think, I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm struggling, therefore I don't. Have joy when our circumstances change, and it's hard to really work up those good vibes. We think we don't have joy. In in the movie, in Inside Out, it's funny because there's a character, Sadness, and um, who's really great. And we have a student that is like, she just is Sadness from Inside Out. Like, she even went. Didn't she go as Sadness for for Halloween? Yeah, amazing. Uh, but she's so self-aware of it and like just owns it. It's great. beautiful. beautiful. Um, But joy says about, she has no idea what to do with sadness. She says, and and there's sadness. I'm not sure what she does, but there's no place for her to go. But it's fine. We're good. Everything's good. We're all great. You know, because she's joy. She's trying to stay up. We have no idea what to do when sadness becomes part of our life. We feel like there must be something wrong. But look in verse 6. It says, as people would be going to Jerusalem, they would, they would, you know, you would actually have to like walk to Jerusalem and you would go there to worship on these certain days of the year. And uh, they would travel through this place called the Valley of Baca. And the Valley of Baca, we don't know a lot about it, but what we do know is that it was a dry place, a desert place. Again, maybe a lot like Las Cruces, New Mexico. And as they would go through the Valley of Baca, it says, they make it a place of springs. That there was something about God's people being able to go through a dry, hard, desolate place. And there for new life to be to spring up into it. Um, uh, in Psalm 23, if you know that one, it says, Though I walk through the va- valley of the shadow of death. That there's something that very beautiful that God does in our lives when we walk through dry, hard, sad places. Um, that we don't go, there's no water here, therefore things aren't right. But actually God brings up new life in those dry places. And if we hadn't gone through them, we wouldn't experience that new life. That's why many of you in this room have suffered Many of you in this room have gone through profound sadnesses in your life. I've heard even some of those stories this week, this weekend. And that's why some of the most delightful people in this room are those of you that have suffered the most. Because what happens when we suffer, when we experience sadness, um, when we in the spirits' disappointment, is that it's like, there's a, it's like our heart is like a house, And this moment comes and it just blows through the floor of your house. And you think what's under the house is probably just some dank crawl space with nothing in it. But sorrow actually opens up that that floor in your heart and you realize there's even more room down there than you ever knew. There's floors below that you never even knew were there. And now there's more room for joy to begin to come and to mark your life. Um, The way that wildfires work, right naturally occurring wildfires happen. And what they do is they they burn up the underbrush and all the little saplings and all the dead things on the ground. And it looks painful. It looks horrible. But what happens is new life is actually able to spring up in a wildfire. And that's actually what God does with sadness in our life. He makes more room for joy. Um, Because true joy has very little to do with feeling happy or feeling sad. Um, Joy is not an emotion. Uh, There was this guy named Horatio Spafford, and uh, he lived in in the late 19th century, and uh, he had a wife and four daughters, and uh, they were from from England, and they were living in the States, and uh, they were going back to visit family, and he put his wife and his four daughters on a ship. ...to go back home, and he had to finish up some business work, and he was going to join them, you know, later. And uh, along the way, their ship collided with another ship in the middle of the Atlantic and sank. And when his wife arrived in England, she sent a telegram to Horatio Spafford, and it just had two words. And it said, survived alone, Um, that their four precious little ones had had perished there um, in, in the ocean... And, of course, Spafford is just, like, overcome with grief. He gets on a, the next ship. And as he's sailing across the Atlantic, and they're crossing the area where his, his family's ship had had gone down, you just can't only imagine, like, just the kind of this heaving, sobbing grief and pain that he's going through. He sat down and he wrote a song. And uh, I don't usually do that when I'm sad. Um, but he did. And uh, he wrote this song. And you may have sung the song before. Uh, it goes like this. It goes, um, When peace like a river attends my way, When sorrows like sea billows roll. Right? You can think of his mind, his, his girls, sea billows rolling. When sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, It is well. It is well with my soul. There was something for Horatio Spafford that even in his most intense, sorrowful moment, he said, I can still say it's well with my soul. Um, and uh, I think that begins to mark what true joy really looks like for us. Because true joy isn't the presence of happy feelings or the absence of happy feelings uh, or the absence of sad feelings. Joy is this. And if you're a person that writes down notes, um, this, this will be the note to take. Joy is what happens when we believe that God is both good. And that he is in control no matter what is going on, okay? Joy is what happens when we believe that God is both good and he's in control regardless of our circumstances. That no matter what, it is well. And actually, it's really hard. It's like I bring that up. I'm like, okay, you've got to believe that God's good and he's, and he's in control. If you've ever thought about that question, you will realize that that is almost, it's just so hard to get your mind around and to really believe um, and actually, one of the most effective and um, just really uh, uh, perplexing objections to the Christian faith is actually that, that Christians believe that God is 100% in control and 100% good. The first person to really put this in the words was a Greek guy named Epicurus, and uh, he, he put it like this He said, Is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he's not all-powerful. Is he able but not willing? Then he's not good. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? If God is both able and willing to prevent evil, then why is there evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? And that's a really challenging Question, just in the philosophical um, zone, and that's, that's a great thing to talk about tonight in your discussion groups some more. But what the, what I want to talk about with you is how has God chosen to answer that objection? When you think, okay, if God says He's going to be He's totally good and He's powerful in my life, then why are bad things happening around me and in the world? At the center of the Christian message uh, is a cross. It's the symbol of, I don't know what, it, what the symbol of your university is or of your hometown. What's the, what's, the, what's the name of the thing that's the symbol for New Mexico? The Zia, right? Uh, which is the sign of like the Zia tribe, is that, is that right? The Zia nation? Or? It's, on, it's, on there. it's on there, right there. Yeah, it's in front of the other states, notice that. <laughs> okay. um, that's the sign of New Mexico. This, this symbol that encapsulates the Christian message is a cross, Um, With God himself in the flesh, Jesus, bearing suffering and sorrow in his body. Um, And that is to show us, number one, that God is not detached from your suffering. God is not detached from your pain. He's not detached from the sorrow of the world. He's actually in the game. When we think about who our God is... He is the one who has willingly entered into suffering and allowed it to take over his body in a way. Um, And Jesus acknowledges, um, uh, number one, that God is good by going to the cross to take that pain on him so that we wouldn't have eternal pain. But he's also in control because the night that, that, that Jesus was betrayed, he prayed to his father And uh, his disciples couldn't even stay awake. And he's praying to his father. And he said to his father, he said, Father, if there's any way that we can save our people without me having to go to this cross tomorrow, please. He pled with God. He was so upset and anxious and scared that he actually sweat drops of blood. Um, And at the end of it, he said, Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours be done. At the cross, we see God's goodness That God is not detached from you, that he enters into our pain to take it onto his body, and that he's totally in control. It's not like God came to earth and everything went wrong and somehow he ended up being killed. He is in control and he is good. He lets utter despair and sadness fall on himself to make way for joy for you. And then on the third day, Jesus doesn't stay in the tomb, but he rose from the dead. Because our good God, who is in control, always gets the last word and not death. Death will never get the last word in your life if you are a believer. And look, at the cross, all of our questions aren't answered about our lives, they aren't answered about why things happen to us, about why things happen to those that we love. But all of our questions are answered about what kind of God we serve. What is he like? My children don't know everything, the reason for everything that I ask them to do or the reason why our family does everything that we do. But what they do know is that daddy loves them and daddy wants to take care of them, right? And that's all they really need to know. Our God is not caught off guard by evil, but he's committed to conquering evil with everything in him. But the way that our God works isn't by crushing evil. He allows evil to crush him, So that new life can come through a resurrection life. And look, because Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, I I know these things. It's like some of you guys grew up and you heard like, okay, I go to church on Easter. Jesus rose from the dead, the resurrection. That's supposed to be good for me at some like existential level, I guess. What it means for you that Jesus rose from the dead is that your hope isn't to avoid suffering. Your hope isn't to just go through life and step past every point of suffering. Your hope is to find new life through resurrection a hope that is greater than cancer a hope that is greater than breakups a hope that is greater than refugee crises a hope that is greater than anything in your life because the life of a Christian is always a response to what God has already done and your God has risen from the dead and if joy is what happens when you believe that God is in control and good how do you begin to believe that? what steps do you take to actually believe that? and that's where this psalm is really helpful for us The psalmist says, if you want to know joy, come into God's presence and be with him. Because to be in God's presence is to be in the presence of joy. It's to know the fullness of joy. Look at the end of the passages there. He said, uh, verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. think about the thing that you love to do the most. The thing that just makes you feel alive and happy. I felt like that thing for Jacqueline today was playing paintball. Like when we were talking this morning about paintball, she was like, I signed up for three three rounds of paintball. Like I'm alive on the paintball course. And then when we drove by, I saw her out there just working it on the paintball course. Think about the thing that gives you life and makes you feel the most joyful. Um, then when the psalmist says a day in your courts, a day in God's presence is a better than a thousand days doing that thing. It's not like... I wish it was that way. The psalmist is saying, actually being close to God is better than doing anything else forever. The psalmist's joy, the person that wrote the psalm, their joy is being near God. Because God is delightful. He's beautiful. And to know him is to know the fullness of joy. And to put it real simply, the secret here is that true joy isn't found in yourself. It's located in God. I'm willing to admit that Voldemort got a lot of things wrong. Okay, uh, I just want to go on the record to say that, you know, probably the most evil dark wizard of all time. And, uh, and I'm comfortable saying that. He didn't do everything right, clearly. Um, but he was pretty brilliant with the Horcruxes thing, if you're a Harry Potter fan. If not, Voldemort the bad guy, the big dark wizard... He, he did this thing where he split his soul into, into seven pieces, I think, right? And then he's... I'm getting a lot of sh- nodding. Okay. Um, thank you. And he located those things in these things called horcruxes. And what that meant for him was that no matter what happened in his circumstances, no matter what happened to his body, no matter how much pain and suffering he went through, the source of his life was always located outside of himself. Therefore, it was always safe. And that is a powerful truth for us that know Jesus or are considering Jesus. That no matter what you are going through, you can have joy if it's located in God. Everything you have ever learned your entire life has told you that if you need something, you find it inside. The good news of the gospel is that everything you need for joy is found in Jesus and not in you. But what's even better than that is that you can go to him and know him and experience that joy. Um, that not only did Jesus die for his people and rise again but when I said this morning you put your faith in him he unites himself to you and that you're in him and you're in his joy right now if you know Jesus you're simultaneously here and in the throne room of God experiencing the fullness of joy right now and that's why the psalmist says that the Lord is a sun and a shield he protects his people and he warms his people and gives light to us and uh, have you ever wondered whether God is real because you went through a period of time where you just weren't feeling it? That's some of you guys this weekend where you're like, I came here, I thought I was going to be feeling it, but I'm not feeling it. So Jesus probably isn't even real. The funny thing about that is, number one, you're staking the entire existence of God on, like, your feeling state, which is dangerous. Um, because, you know, we want him to stick around. I'm just kidding. Um, <coughs> but but the other thing is that... that um, Okay. Uh, when I was in college, I mean in high school, I wasn't a Christian person, and my friends sent me to this camp, and I realized now it was a camp where people are supposed to like get converted, like where people are supposed to become Christians there. And so everything in the whole weekend was designed around putting me and the people with me. It's like where you send your unsaved friend, you know. Because you don't actually want to, like, walk with them and talk to them about Jesus day in, day out, die for them. You're like, I'll send them to a camp. And then they'll become a Christian, and then we can, like, really be friends. And um, (laughs) never do that, by the way. Um, uh, And so I was there, and everything was, like, sort of manufactured to put me in an emotional state where I was going to be ready to, like choose Jesus, and, uh, which, is, which, is, which is fine. But um, about like the third night, I was like, dude, everybody is like crying and they're feeling it and I feel like dead inside. <laughs> and I was just like listening to a lot of Nine Inch Nails in that time <laughs> of my life. And, um, <clears throat> and it made me feel like there was something wrong with me. And so I found one of the older people, and I was like, hey, can I talk to you? And I, sort of, I was crying, and I was like, man, I'm just like not feeling it. And, um, and he, he was like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know exactly how you feel. And I was like, oh, great, this person can help me. This is great. And he was like, when I feel like you feel, I, just, I close my eyes, and I say over and over again, I do believe, 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 I do believe. And eventually I start feeling better. And immediately I felt better because I was like, that is literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, because I was like not a Christian person and I was like, I thought that y'all had some kind of connection like with God. That you weren't just like psyching yourso- yourself out with some like repeated mantra to make yourself feel better. Um, the good news for, for all of us tonight is that there is not enough inside of yourself to give yourself real joy. You don't have to psych yourself into believing in Jesus, to having joy in Jesus. And that's not because something is wrong with you. That's because something is right with you. Because God created you as a moon. And he is the sun. We we exist to reflect what he has done for us. And Jesus has united himself to you to give you joy. Um, and, And we might say it's silly, to so what that guy said to me, and we might laugh. Some of you guys laughed at that. But we do it all the time. We put our hope in, well, I signed a card at some point, or I walked an aisle, or I was really feeling the singing tonight. The music was beautiful tonight. You guys have been doing a great job. But, like, I was really feeling it tonight. Therefore, like, I must really, my faith must be really be active. Or, like, I put negative people out of my life because I need to be able to protect my joy. Um, or I avoid intimacy altogether. I avoid talking about God with anyone around me. Um, Because I'm afraid that they will disturb my joy. And Jesus is saying, come to me, and then you will know joy. Um, And and the good news for us tonight is that we can come to Jesus directly. You used to have to go to the temple to be with him. Jesus says, you can come to me by faith right now. And you can know me, and you can know that joy. Joy that is able to weather any storm. And uh, the last thing I wanted to end on as we go into a time of, of discussion and and, you know, you may be thinking, like, okay, well, how do I put this into action? Like, what do I, so what? Like, what do I do now? Um, I think the best way we can begin to cultivate joy in our lives is by cultivating thankfulness in our lives. What, what I love about this psalm is that the, the person writing it is just going, is, they just seem overwhelmingly thankful that they can come into God's presence and to be with God. Like, wow, I get to be in God's courts. That's amazing. I, could, I would rather be a doorkeeper than they like, be in the tent enjoying all the good food and the drink. Um, they actually believe that a, one day in God's presence is better than a thousand elsewhere. And I just wanted to end on this quote by a guy named Brother Lawrence. What I love about Brother Lawrence is he is the real-life Nacho Libre. Um, as in, brilliant, you know, it's like Nacho's like, people think I don't know a buttload about the gospel, but I do, you know. Um, because Nacho's job was to like make soup, Right. Brother Lawrence, he was a monk. His job was to wash dishes. He is a brilliant theological mind, loved Jesus, and his job was to wash dishes. And he wrote about that in this little book. It's called The, uh, the Practice of the Presence of God. It's like It costs like $2 to use on Amazon. You should definitely get it. But listen to what he says. And listen to the, the gratitude here. He says, My God, since you are with me and since by your will I must occupy myself with this work, washing dishes, Please grant me the grace to remain with you in your presence. Work with me so that my work might be the very best. Receive as an offering of love both my work and all my affections. And he says, during my work, I would always continue to speak to the Lord as though he were right there with me. Because he is right there with you. Closer to you than your own soul. Offering him my services and thanking him for his assistance. And at the end of my work, I used to examine it carefully. Listen to this. This is, blows my mind. If I found good in it, I thanked God. If I noticed faults, I asked his forgiveness without being discouraged. Do you know why he was able to just find faults, ask God's forgiveness and not be discouraged? Because he knows that God loves him and he knows that he can be in God's joy. And he said, I went on with my work still dwelling in him. No matter what you are going through right now, if you are in Jesus, you have access to the fullness of joy. Whether things are going well or whether things are going poorly, may God help us to find joy in being in his presence. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you didn't just uh, give yourself for us um, so that we could you know, go to heaven, but that you desire to be with us, that you long to be with us, that for you... Um, Nothing is better than being with your people. That's your joy, is being with us. And therefore, our joy can be in being with you. And Lord, as we wrestle with why do things happen? Why do hard things happen? um, Lord, would you help us in those moments especially to run to you and to find joy in being near you? Thank you that you want to be near us. We pray in Jesus' name.